I'm not uh, sure exactly how I'm supposed to preach after that. Goodness gracious. Thank you, choir. And thank you to our musicians for leading us this morning. Uh, if you'll go ahead and take your Bibles and turn with me to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. We're going to be looking at verse 30 through verse 37 this morning. And uh, looking at the uh, topic of called to kingdom greatness. Called to kingdom greatness. Uh, Dr. Mills asked if I would uh, continue in uh, our study of Mark. And uh, particularly with these passages of Scripture. So uh, uh, this... Uh, Sometimes when you get to preach only every so often uh, in uh, church life, uh, in front of the entire congregation, you have your sugar sticks. And uh, those are the ones you can pull out and preach about anywhere because you've preached them 800 times and you've got them memorized forwards and backwards. And that's one of our secrets. You got that, right? Uh, this isn't a sugar stick. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, so you get to hear today what our teenagers have to deal with on Sunday nights. So, uh, but anyways, uh, we are going to look at Mark chapter 9, verse 32, verse 37, though, this morning. And, and, and it does uh, bring up the question of what truly is greatness. Uh, in our society, that's a question that's probably asked a lot. Uh, what does it mean to be great? Uh, in the sports world, what does it mean to be great? Is that winning? Is that uh, reaching the highest level of competition that you can play at in academics? What does it mean to be great? Uh, what uh, degrees that you may have and so forth in work as we are constantly in a, in a, in a rat race to, to try to, 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 uh, to improve our status and our prestige, wealth, power, fame. All of those things are things that were words that we throw around when we talk about this idea of greatness. But Jesus really had a different view of greatness. And here in Mark chapter 9, verse 30 through 37, we see a story taking place of Jesus and the disciples uh, traveling. It says they're going through Galilee. Jesus had a, something extremely important to share with them, uh, something uh, extremely uh, heavy to share with them about his death and his resurrection that was uh, just in the near future. Uh, they had just uh, come from a point in their ministry where uh, they had seen him on the Mount of Transfiguration. They had seen him uh, cast out uh, basically this, this demon that had caused this child to be deaf and mute and, and have basically these seizures. And the, the disciples themselves had tried to fix the problem and they couldn't. And they had seen Jesus show up and fix the problem. And but yet now they're traveling through Galilee and and Jesus is going to share with them that he's going to to uh, to to die on a cross and that ultimately he'll then raise from the grave. But in the midst of that, we see much confusion amongst the disciples. And it is out of that confusion that we then see them begin to uh, talk amongst themselves on the road. Maybe they thought Jesus didn't hear them or wasn't listening or didn't know. And they begin to ask the question of who was the greatest of them all. And of course, we know that Jesus then tells them, you know, about what true greatness is. And so it is out of this story. It is out of their confusion over what he's told them about the cross. It is out of their, uh, their uh, confusion about or their discussion about who truly is the greatest in the kingdom of God. It is out of that discussion that we see three lessons and three examples set before us by Jesus about what true kingdom greatness is. Is all about. So if you'll stand with me as we honor God's word, we'll begin reading in Mark chapter 9, beginning in verse 30. From there they went out and began to go through Galilee. He did not want anyone to know about it, for he was teaching his disciples and telling them, The Son of Man is to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and when he has been killed, he will rise three days later. But they did not understand this statement, and they were afraid to ask him. They came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he began to question them. What were you discussing on the way? But they kept silent, for on the way they had discussed with one another which of them was the greatest. Sitting down, he called the twelve and said to them, If anyone wants to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. 
Taking a child, he set him before them, and taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one child like this in my name receives me, and whoever receives me does not receive me, but him who sent me. Let's pray this morning. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for allowing us the opportunity to open it, to study it, Lord, to learn from it, Lord, to apply it to our lives each and every day. Lord, help us today that as we look at your word for it to change our outlook on what greatness really is. Lord, help it to impact our lives in such a way that, Lord, we follow the examples that have been set before us about true kingdom greatness. Lord, we ask you this morning, Lord, that, uh, Lord, if there's people here that need to make decisions for you, Lord, we trust that those decisions will be made, and we ask you to go ahead and begin moving in their hearts and their lives at this time. Lord, whether it's making this their church home, Lord, whether it's, uh, Lord, uh, getting something right with you in an area of their life, Lord, that needs to be dealt with, or Lord, whether it's uh, turning their life over to you for the first time in their lives, Lord, we ask you that that'll take place, Lord, today. Lord, I thank you for the music and the wonderful time of worship and praise that we've had. Lord, I thank you for Tim leading us in that. I thank you for our choir leading us in that. And Lord, I just ask you, Lord, that uh, this next half hour or so will continue to be an opportunity to worship you and praise you, Lord, as we look at your words. Lord, we love you. We give you all the honor and glory for what we know is going to happen this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Jesus is leading them through Galilee, and we see him give us our first example of what it means to truly have kingdom greatness. And that is the example of the cross. In verse 30 through verse 32, Jesus uh, tells them, he says, the son of man is to be delivered into the hands of men and they will kill him. And when he has been killed, he will rise three days later. Jesus here on this traveling uh, or on this, on this, uh, this uh, trip that they're taking through Galilee, Jesus is pointing them to the cross. Uh, Jesus did that multiple times throughout his ministry to the disciples. And uh, he wants them to understand what's going to happen and what's going to take place. Uh, he wants them to realize that, that, that the, what he is t- saying is going to happen to him, that once it does happen, that their response is appropriate. Now, we know that their response isn't necessarily appropriate once it happens, right? Because they sort of hightail it out, right? They, they get out of Dodge. They, they get away from everything. But yet Jesus is trying to point them to the cross. And in the midst of this entire uh, story that's taking place here, uh, what we see here and, and what we can begin to understand is that ultimately, anytime we want to talk about kingdom greatness, it must first start at the cross. It must first start at the cross. See, there is no kingdom greatness without Jesus' death his burial, and his resurrection. It is at the cross where Jesus' mission was carried out. It is at the cross where our sins are pardoned and where the propitiation of our sins takes place. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Without the shedding of Jesus' blood, none of us have entrance to the kingdom of God. And so as he begins to share with the disciples about what this idea of greatness truly is, he knew the conversation that they were about to have. He knew where their minds were going to turn. And he begins by pointing them directly to the cross. That's where it all must start. When Jesus talks about the cross, it's very interesting to also see that Jesus never leaves us at the cross. He never leaves us at his death. He never leaves us at the torture and the torment that he went through. But he always, when he talks about the cross, he then continues with talking about his resurrection. He says the Son of Man is to be delivered into the hands of men and they will kill him. And when he's been killed, what does it say? He will rise three 
days later. Just as there's no kingdom greatness without the cross, understand that there's no kingdom greatness without his resurrection from the dead as well. For while he paid the price for our sins at the cross, it is his resurrection that overcomes death and the grave and Satan himself. So we see Jesus pointing the disciples to the example of the cross. So while we sing at the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light, right? It's at the cross where the burden of our heart rolls away, right? Why? Because it's there by grace I receive my sight. And now I can be happy all the day. Why can we be happy? Why can we rejoice in something as horrible, in something as dark, in something as difficult as the cross of Jesus Christ? Because he overcame the cross. Because he overcame the cross. Jesus wanted them to understand that he would overcome the cross. It's also interesting as we look at what he says in verse 31, that he's talking about the cross in the present term. He says here that the Son of Man is to be delivered into the hands of men. But if you were to take that back and, and look at what tense that's in, basically Jesus is telling them that he's already been delivered into the hands of men. You got that? He is be delivered into the hands of men. See, it is Jesus that freely and willingly gave himself up to be delivered into the hands of men for you and for me. If we want to have kingdom greatness, it must start with the example of the cross. Now we have to understand a very uh, real reality, and that is, is that we miss, if, if we misunderstand the cross, if we don't understand the cross, then we miss everything else. See, if you notice their response to the cross, Jesus is pointing them to the cross, right? Jesus is sharing with them about his death and his resurrection. And, and, and it says that they were perplexed. It says that they were confused. Matter of fact, in Matthew's version of this, Matthew tells us that they actually, they had sorrow. They had sorrow. Why? Because in their minds, Jesus, despite everything he had been teaching them, despite all the miracles that he had performed, in their mind, Jesus was still going to be an earthly king who was going to establish an earthly political kingdom. That's what they still couldn't seem to wrap their minds around. And so as Jesus begins to share about the cross, maybe their confusion was from the point of maybe they begin to ask, but hold on, how are you going to die on the cross if you're going to take over and be king? Maybe their confusion was about, well, if you're going to be a political ruler, how is this going to be the end? Maybe their sorrow was about the fact of, but listen, we've seen you do all these miracles. We've seen you raise people from the dead. We've seen you heal the blind. We've seen you heal the deaf. We've seen you heal the lame. How in the world are you going to allow your to be turned over to the cross. They didn't get it. They didn't get it. Now, this is Tommyology, not theology, but it makes me wonder, maybe that explains why they were so quick to begin to talk about earthly things. Because that's where their mind was. You see that? So many times in our lives as believers, if we're not careful, even though we know the importance of staying focused upon the cross of Christ and what it means to us and what his death and burial and resurrection means to our life and means to our faith, if we're not careful, we get so busy in the things of the world, we get caught up in our own personal greatness. We get caught up in wanting to, to, to get that raise or to get that, that promotion or to do the best job that we can in whatever it is we're doing. or to, to, We get caught up in, in failures that come and go with the life that we live and constantly striving for success and constantly striving to have everything just be perfect. And if we're not careful, our minds will become less focused on the cross and more focused on the worldly things around us. And that's where we get ourselves in trouble, just like the disciples did. 
See, Jesus was pointing them to the cross, but in their confusion, in their sorrow, in their perplexion, they missed the cross. And shortly thereafter on the trip, they began to discuss who was going to be the greatest among them. Jesus says, hey, I'm going to die. Hey, I'm going to rise again. He's trying to point them to his spiritual mission. He's trying to point them to the fact that he's going to establish a heavenly kingdom rather than an earthly kingdom. And, and what do we, we miss? Well, they miss that and they begin to say, well, hey, you know, I know Jesus just said that he was going to die and be raised three days later. But that doesn't make any sense. To my mind. And matter of fact, we know what Jesus is really going to do. We got this figured out. And I wonder, I almost, wow, that moves, doesn't it? I'm going to quit doing that. I should have learned that. Y'all don't know this. I got I to gotta tell this. Quick grab it. Back, I don't know, probably four or five times ago when I prayed and did the welcome deal, it was the Sunday where I, I forgot we were singing one more little deal at the end and I stood here like this right I then walked over here to pray and the first thing I did is I grabbed the podium and when I did it y'all all had your eyes closed and I'm glad because I almost fell off the stage <laughs> the whole podium did like that I better stop shouldn't I I'm sorry I'll stop okay <laughs> if only you could see see Tim's face looking at me right now <laughs> he's looking at me probably like Jesus was looking at the disciples <laughs> He's like, stop. So I, I need to remember that. All right, so here's the point. Back to, back to where we need to be. See, we're, we're supposed to be focused on, focused on the cross. And, but here's the point. These guys are supposed to be focused on the cross. That's where Jesus is trying to point them. And in the midst of their confusion, they get so caught up. And, but Jesus, you're going to be an earthly king. But Jesus, you're gonna, you got this thing figured out. I got this thing figured out. So one of us is going to have to be your right-hand man. Was it going to be Peter? But you, I, I know, I, I bet it'll be one of the three that he took up on the mountain with him. That's who I bet it'll be. No, but, but he loves me the most, and, but I'm the beloved. No, but, I, you, you know, I, I, there's no telling how that conversation went, right? I mean, it's probably like three kids asking, you know, amongst each other, which one's the favorite of, of the parent, right? And Jesus, you know, he just goes along. I, th I think I understand what Jesus was doing here a little bit. Because Jesus, well, Bolt's here this morning. I call him Bolt because we coach together and we all call each other last names. Sometimes on the high school buses, on the way to and from games, you hear things that you don't really want to hear and that they don't think you hear. You know what I'm talking about? And we had one of those episodes just uh, this past week, wasn't it? And, and we kept hearing things that we really didn't want to hear, and we knew they didn't want us to hear, and we just kept our mouths quiet about it, and we just kept letting them get themselves in more and more trouble. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? And we just kind of went on about our business, and then, then the next day we had a conversation, a uh, pretty strong conversation with all of them about, hey, I don't think you realize that we heard everything you said, and their eyes got really big. It's kind of what Jesus did with the disciples, wasn't it? See, they missed the cross. But you know what Jesus does? They missed the point of the cross, and so Jesus gives them the next example. He gives them the example of him. He gives them the example of Christ. Because, see, in the midst of their confusion, in the midst of them saying, hey, you know, hey, which one of us is going to be the best? Which one of us is going to be the greatest? Jesus grabs them. Well, he doesn't grab them, but he sits down before them, and he says, guys, here's the deal. 
He says, what were you discussing on the way? That's what he says in verse 33. What were you discussing on the way? (laughs) They kept silent. For on the way they had discussed with one another which of them was the greatest. They were a little embarrassed. Said, (laughs) "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. Brady Brady does this. Brady, Brady does this. Brady does something and he gets in trouble. And you start to ask him about it. You know what Brady will do? Brady gets quiet. Brady doesn't want to answer you. Brady's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Brady, did you do it? Brady, what did you do? I, I don't know. Yeah, that, that's how he responds, right? That's what these disciples did. They responded as little children, literally. He says, he, Jesus says, hey, guys, what were y'all discussing? You want to tell him? You want to? You tell it. Jesus says, you don't have to tell me, guys. Jesus says, I know what you're discussing. And Jesus gives such an awesome answer. Look what he says. He says, if anyone wants to be first, he shall be the last of all and the servant of all. Jesus is pointing to himself here. Jesus is explaining to them that kingdom greatness is about service. They want to discuss who would be the greatest. Jesus calls them on it. And Jesus answers them by reminding them of the importance of service and being a servant. This is the same Jesus that said in Mark chapter 10 and Matthew chapter 20 that he came to be not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for our sins. Jesus understood kingdom greatness because he was the greatest example of it ever. Because he came to meet our needs to serve us by giving his life, once again, pointing back to on the cross. Jesus says, you want to be great? Then you must be a servant. True kingdom greatness is following the example of Jesus Christ in service. They wanted to be the guy in the limelight. They wanted to be the guy that was going to be right there beside Jesus. They wanted to discuss who was going to be next in charge, next in line. And Jesus says, guys, it's not about that. You want to be first. Listen, then you've got to serve. Just as Jesus did. Jesus tells them this in another place, doesn't he? Remember when Jesus washes their feet? Remember that? Who are you? Whoa, whoa, Jesus, who are you to wash my feet? Who are you to to do a task below what Jewish tradition and society says you should be doing? You're the teacher. Jesus came to serve, and he expects us to serve as well. There are no big shots in the kingdom of heaven. I was uh, studying up for this, and the internet is great. It is. Well, it's not always great, but sometimes it's great. The, the, The reason the internet seems to be great when it comes to studying for sermons is I have tons and tons of books. Y'all got that? Like tons and tons of books. But thanks to, to this thing we call the internet, many of the, much of the stuff that I can find in books, like my books, like I can 
find on the internet as well in the same books. It's just on the internet. Does that make sense what I'm saying? You got it? And so I'm studying up earlier this week and I'm looking through some books and stuff and um, and uh, and then I went on the internet and uh, I was googling a couple of things that I was trying to find for today and uh, one of the one of, it, what pop, one of the things that popped up uh, was uh, this like uh, list of titles of sermon title things you know what I'm talking about about this text and uh, one of the titles that I saw said I want to be little when I grow up or when I grow up I want to be little. I thought, wow, I wasn't going to use that title because that would have just been ridiculous uh, because I'd have stole it from him, I guess. I'm sure somebody else has used this title, by the way. It's pretty generic. Um, but here's the point. The point is, is, isn't that a really good point when it comes to our walk with Jesus Christ? When we grow up, we ought to want to be little, right? Why? Because it is through service that we truly ultimately reach kingdom greatness. So we see the example of the cross. We see the example of Christ. And the third thing I want you to see this morning. I, hey, how are y'all doing back there? I haven't even looked at you. I'm sorry. I got to get used to this part. Okay. I'll look at y'all at this point. Okay. For a little bit. All right. Thirdly, we see the example of the child. Jesus hasn't finished this lesson for them. Matter of fact, what Jesus does is Jesus says, he says here, he says, if anyone wants to be first, you should be last of all and servant of all. And then he says this, taking a child, he set before them and taking him in his arms, he said to them, whoever receives one like a child, like this in my name, receives me. And whoever receives me does not receive me, but him who sent me. Jesus takes a child here and he makes two major object lessons or two major points for the disciples. The first point that Jesus is making when he takes this child is the fact that kingdom greatness is about humility. Kingdom greatness is about humility. Now, during this period of time in history, a child had no rights. A child had really not a lot of protection. A child, a child was not, this, this wasn't, the point that Jesus was making here wasn't, hey, look at this cute little kid, and isn't he so sweet, and you got to be cute and sweet and all this to get the kingdom of heaven. No, that's not the point. The point that Jesus is making is, here is a child who is one of the lowest positions of society. That's the point he was making. And this is what we have to be like to truly achieve kingdom greatness. We have to humble ourselves to the point of a child. We have to humble ourselves, not only to the point of a servant willing to serve. I mean, that's, that's basically we got two deals going on here. Servant, child. You look at Jewish society and, and Jesus isn't saying, hey, you got to be a big shot to have kingdom greatness. No, Jesus is saying you got to be down here to have kingdom greatness. That's what he's saying. We have to humble ourselves. True kingdom greatness is about humility. That's why James tells us that God resists the proud. God resists the proud. In a society in which children were some of the bottom rungs of society, it is the child that Jesus uses to point out the greatness of his kingdom. Not only was he showing us that kingdom greatness is about humility, but he was also explaining to us that kingdom greatness involves receiving Jesus. That kingdom greatness involves receiving Jesus. And he's tying a parallel there between the necessity for humility and receiving Jesus. 
It's a great parallel when you think about what coming to know Jesus as Lord and Savior is truly all about. Because to know Christ as Savior, we have to humble ourselves before Him as a child, throwing away our pride of knowing that we've figured it all out. We have to place our sin at the foot of the cross, right? We have to repent of that sin. We have to turn from Him, and we have to give our lives to Him, coming to the point that we say, I can't do it on my own. I can't reach salvation. I can't reach perfection. I can't reach heaven. I've messed it up. And God, you're the only one that can fix it. That only comes with the humility of a child. You got that, right? That whole eye of the needle, camel getting through the eye of the needle, that was the point of that. We got that, right? When we get to the point, y'all, when we get to the point where we got enough to take care of ourselves, it becomes that much more difficult to place our pride to the side and say, God, I'm going to humble myself enough to realize it's only through you that I can be saved. So here Jesus is using this object lesson. He's explaining that, listen, that's why he says, he says, you receive this child, you receive me. And then notice what he says. And this is where it gets real big. And this is where it gets really awesome. Because he says here at the end of this, whoever receives me does not receive me, but him who sent me. See, Jesus is telling us here, he's telling the disciples, listen, he says, you want to see, receive kingdom greatness? He said, it's not even about the child. It's not even about the servanthood. It's ultimately about the fact that my father sent me to die for you. And when you accept that and when you receive that, you've received the father. It's pretty good, isn't it? To know that God made a way for you and I to have a relationship with Him restored by sending His only Son, Jesus, to die for us. I want you to notice an overriding theme of all of this. Whether in the servant, in the example that Christ gives us of serving, whether in the example of the child, whether in the example of the cross, it it all points back to kingdom greatness starting at the point of salvation. You see that? That's where it all points back. See, the truth of the matter is this. Listen. When it comes to the matter of eternity, what our jobs are doesn't really matter, Hill of Beans. When it comes to the matter of eternity, what our wealth is doesn't really matter, a Hill of Beans. When it comes to the matter of eternity... Who we are and how many people know who we are doesn't really matter, a hill of beans. When it comes to the matter of eternity, who our parents are, who our grandparents are, or who in our family is a deacon or a pastor or a Sunday school teacher, doesn't really matter, a hill of beans. Because the truth of the matter is, the only thing that matters is that God saw us in our sinful state and He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. And the only way to ever receive the kingdom greatness that He wants us to receive starts with us humbling ourselves to the point in which we say, God, it is my sin that's messed this up. And God, you've fixed it, and I accept that free gift of salvation. See, when we get that right, what happens is, is it changes our, changes our perspective on everything else. You see that? 
When we get that right, it changes our perspective on everything else. Because when we come to the realization of what Jesus has done for us of all of eternity, then all that other stuff doesn't quite seem to matter so much, does it? Now there's a final point that I want to make sure that we understand this morning, and that is this. And that is for greatness to be achieved, there always has to be sacrifice. For greatness to be achieved, there always has to be sacrifice. Y'all won't have to deal with the sports thing for a second, all right? Doesn't matter who you take, you, you pick them. The guys that make it in the professional world, the guys that make it to the highest level of Competition, who most of us would consider great, they've sacrificed a lot. A lot. Everybody talks about minor league baseball and how glorious it is and how great it is. And man, I just want to be drafted. First of all, if you get drafted, most of the time you're not making it to the major leagues anyways. Instead, you're going to p- play baseball for a few years of your life where you get paid about $850 to $950 a month while the season's going on. That's what you're going to do. Those guys sacrifice a lot. And most of them don't make it. We uh, have the privilege of uh, coaching Boss Bailey's son um, and Champ Bailey's nephew on our baseball team at Jackson County. And um, I was sitting with Boss. He helps coach our football team. I was sitting with Boss and a couple other coaches um, in... uh, our, coach, our football coach's office before football season this fall. And we got to talking about all of what went into being an NFL football player. Because we see them playing on Sunday afternoons, and we see all the, the fun stuff and the good stuff. And, 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 and I mean, Boss said, don't feel sorry for us. Like that, he said that. He's like, don't feel sorry for those guys. Those guys say feel sorry for them. You know, they're... But he began to share about the workout regimen. He began to share about the amount of time away from family. And he began to share about the moving all over the country. He began to share about having to file taxes in every state you play in every week. That sounds, that's the, probably the worst part, right? He, he began to share about all those different sacrifices that are made. And then he began to share about how his days at Georgia and, and, and how that coming from Charlton County and his family and all that stuff. And, and it was amazing to sit there and listen to him and realize that the sacrifice that those guys go through, I mean, yeah, they get a big check at the end and I get all that. But to get to that point, there's a lot of sacrifice. There's a lot of sweat. There's a lot of tears. There's a lot of time away from family. There's a lot of effort that goes into that. And that's what the world calls great. You know what's so great about our faith? You know what's so great about our salvation? You know what's so great about what Jesus, notice this, Jesus has done for us? We don't have to pay for that kingdom greatness because he already has. 
You know the only sacrifice we have to make? The sacrifice of ourselves. The sacrifice of ourselves. So I have a question for you today. Maybe a couple of them. I have a tendency to do that. Say it's one and it'd be a couple. Number one. If you're here today and you don't know Christ as Lord and Savior, what's stopping you? If you're here today and you realize that you've sinned and you realize that that sin separates you from God and because of that sin, you'll spend an eternity in a place called hell. If you're here today and you realize that, then I want to tell you kingdom greatness is for you and I can tell you why it's for you and I can tell you how it's for you. Because Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary died for your sin and my sin. And because it didn't just stop at his death, but three days later he defeated that sin and he defeated death and he rose from the grave. And if you're here today and you realize that, then I ask you the question, what's stopping you? Because all you have to do to know him as Lord and Savior and to truly give your life to him is simply come to that point in your life today where you simply say, Lord, I need you. I know you died for me and I want you to save me. And when you humble yourself before an almighty God, listen, he'll do just that. Now, if you're in this place today and you know Christ is your Lord and Savior, then I have a question. If you feel like you've gotten stuck in a rut, you feel like you've gotten uh, off topic in your life, kind of like the disciples, and you've begun to worry about all the earthly greatness that we like to worry about. And you know you probably need to fix that. Then I ask you the same question, what's stopping you? What's stopping you? Jesus was trying to refocus the disciples upon him, upon the cross, upon service, upon sacrifice, upon humility. Well, listen, maybe today he's trying to do the same thing in your life. Maybe today is the day that what you've heard throughout this sermon today has kind of sparked in your mind and the lights went off within your own heart and your own life. And you said, Lord, I've been getting it all wrong. Because, Lord, I know that you saved me, but, Lord, I'm still worried about all the junk that goes on in the world instead of worrying about heavenly kingdom things. Lord, my focus needs to be back upon you. If that's the case, then listen, the invitation is for you as well. Because I asked you, what's stopping you? Maybe you can come to this altar. Maybe you can pray right where you're at. And you can just say, Lord, today, hey, I need to be refocused. Lord, today I need to remember that the things that are important are the things that are important and not all this other stuff that goes on around us. Lord, help me quit uh, trying to chase down some greatness that doesn't matter when it comes to all of eternity. And instead, Lord, help me seek out ways to serve you. Help me seek out ways to be humble before you. Help me seek out ways to be used by you. Maybe you're here today and maybe you just need to make this your church home. There's no greater place, I can tell you that. Even as that interim tag or whatever it is that I have, y'all have made us feel like family and feel welcome, and it has been awesome. And I thank you for that. I hope y'all keep making it awesome. Y'all don't, y'all don't throw stuff at me. Somebody said they were going to earlier, and I'm glad they're not. Thank you, teenagers. But maybe you may make this your church home. When a moment after I pray, you'll have an opportunity to do that as well. We'll have staff here at the front and they'll be waiting on you to come and share with them whatever decision that it is that you need to make today. So what we're going to do is we're going to stand and I'm going to pray. After I pray, Brother Tim's going to come and he's going to lead us. Brother John and Brother A.B. are going to be here at the front. 
And I want you to do whatever the Lord's calling you to do. Don't do it because I've asked you to. Do it because He's calling you. Don't do it because somebody else moves. Do it because you know within your heart that you either come, need to come to know Him as Lord and Savior, you need to get something right with Him, or you need to make this your church home or follow through in baptism. You make the decision today that God's calling you to make, and He'll take care of the rest. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You for today. We thank You for Your Word. Lord, I ask You that, Lord, as this, we begin this time of invitation, Lord, that You help us to remember, Lord, the example of the cross, the example of the Christ, the example of the child. Help us to understand that kingdom greatness isn't about pride. It's not about position. Lord, it's not about fame. It's not about wealth. It's not about stature. But Lord, it's about coming to the point in our lives where we ask you to forgive us of our sin and save our lives. And Lord, we then turn our lives completely over to you as an act of humility, as an act of obedience. Lord, and as an act of thankfulness for your sacrifice. Lord, bless this invitation as we sing. In your name we pray. Amen. Stand together. We're going to sing. Stay